Welcome to Podcast This Escape, the podcast where we talk about the escape room that we escaped from in the previous episode of this podcast. We've just finished Chapter 9 of Chronomaly. Uh, how did you guys go? Did you, did, congratulations. Well done, and thank you for being with us through the most plot-heavy of the room so <laughs> <True>. far. <laughs> it, it was, was our a pleasure. Big I, I had a blast. Oh. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed about the handcuffs thing, but other than that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did the same thing. I completely didn't get the handcuffs until the end. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it, it, oh, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Like It was a lot more involved than I was expecting it to be in a good way. And I, I feel like the, the, the only part that I felt was kind of frustrating was the audio bit at the end. Yeah. But yeah. Which is, yeah, that is just one of those things that we have to have that as far as for the listeners go. So that's going to be edited massively. And that meant that you guys got the crap side. <laughs> Though I will say. I was trying to think about the best way to make yeah. that happen for and I think so long. The way it worked out couldn't. in the end. I think after we'd listened to all of them, being able to break it down to give me a first line, last line and trying to match those up. Mm-hmm. You guys did really well with that. And once it, once it was clearly like a linking puzzle, right? I think it went fairly smoothly. Just having to get through those blocks of text yeah, while, while not knowing what the puzzle yeah. was yet or if yeah. there was one. Right. But while we're there, so our audiences from the way that you'll have edited it, will edited it, edited it. Will have heard the full thing. But do you want to just have a talk through it right now, just in quick clip notes so that you know what happened in that? Yeah, we should, we should talk you- about the fact that, you know, so it was interesting getting all of those blocks kind of out of order at first and then mm. trying to put them together to make the full, the full statement that, that was, uh, that was good. And like you said, the first or last line, first line, you know, helped a lot. Yeah. Once we could do them, I was actually really glad cause I was worried that you, that I knew you were missing one cause I knew mm-hmm. you hadn't done the, the handcuffs yet. I'm just really glad that was the last one and not like number four or something in the middle. Because I was so worried you were just going to be like, wait, but nothing lines up. Wait, let's go through them again and again and again. See if we can find where it lines up. (laughs) (laughs) On this one that we didn't miss. So that worked out a bit serendipitously. It did. Um, Yeah. So now, Billy, you finally know the entire story of this. Yes. We'll tell you what. We, we, let's let's hold off just a moment on that because oh, we okay. usually go through some room stuff before okay. we do meta story. All right, fine. When we get to the meta story, Whatever. we can go back through that passage. But uh, you guys did really well. I, I, I play, t- play tested this recently uh, and had a similar sort of progression. I went south. For, I wonder if there's something human about going south before you go west because we definitely <laughs> both did that um, and went south and did all that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, you guys did great. You 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 made the connections really quickly between like. Six of these things to six of these things, five of these to five of these. So, so that went really well. Was there anything that either of you felt ex- like especially smart or accomplished when you did it? I, I give Peter a lot of credit for the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I felt smart when I made that connection. For yeah, sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think that the um, I mean, I I think that making the connection. From the names to the colors was uh, was you know a, a good mm, quick. You, you had that right immediately. That. Smash that. The one yeah. that I was impressed with your speed was with the telescope. Oh yeah. Just saying. Oh well, pointing at the walls—that's nothing. Point it down the long hallway to that thing we couldn't reach. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy with that. And you both got that at like the exact same time. Yeah. 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 Which is good. I suppose that's really a, a, a compliment to your room design uh, and like your ability to have things make sense in that way that the two of them went, Oh, of course this is the solution we need at the same time. 
So you get you two get no credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, and then I, I thought it was interesting the the whiteboard puzzle, the fact that uh, the letters all lined up until the last one. Um, yes, oh, that I was had interesting. no idea that the ones circled happened to be all except one like that. Yeah. I didn't notice that at all. I should change that somehow. If you were, well, if you were redesigning this puzzle now to change it, would you make it less lined up or less would you make it line up certain, better? Because otherwise you don't need to do the whiteboard. You could just see it when you have the... Um, when you've looked at the rock. True, true. If they were the only ones, you'd already and I have I can the... see that now. You can see M-Y-E-A-I. Yeah, that is true. So that is too close to the real solution for my liking. I would absolutely you'd make change it less, another one. You'd make it more obscure so yes. it doesn't line up for a while. Absolutely. Because, yeah, you're right, because then you don't need to put the words into the brackets. You could have just you could just see the message. Yeah. If it was like something goes to R, uh, right. yeah, you'd just see the message without doing You wouldn't the, need the, the whiteboard. Words. You'd just need the rock and it would That's be fine. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah, man, it's a hard one to come up with. It's not one that you can just easily swap one letter out for another and make <laughs> the whole thing work. But, whew. I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to because by the time it doesn't work at the end, it's very it's clear that it doesn't work. True. Well, but, but yeah, it, is, it is, is frustrating. It is so, a bit frustrating. So it's one-off working. I'm, I'm, I'm still a little M-Y-E-A-I. Um, and, and, and that's just because those were all the circle ones. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So if they had lined up completely with it, the fact that one of them wasn't the circled kind of letter mm-hmm. uh, that you change that means that that solution doesn't appear yeah. in that code. And if right. it did, you'd be able to just read it straight away right. without putting them in. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, it should have been more muddled than it was. <laughs> so what, were we supposed? We're supposed to take the robe and cover the red light. That's the. That's that exactly what Billy did. I did the robe. I think you originally wanted the the. My plan was the doormat, the doormat. but I did have doormat or similar in my notes. I so liked I the idea mind. of the box. I wanted to go with with Peter's box idea of emptying yeah. out the box and just putting it. Yeah, on Yeah, except top I did the... say that I do have in my description that the box is large and unmovable. Ah. Oh. <laughs> But he's so strong. He can make glass <laughs> from the walls and boxes from the floor. Yeah, oh, just, I'm no, just adding I, ad tributes to my character that don't actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> we had one room like that. Actually, ironically, this happened the last time we did a segmented room like this with multiple little rooms. Oh, yeah? My character consistently was like, oh, but he's, he's eight feet tall, so he can oh, just reach right. up and grab that, right? <laughs> and it's, oh, no, yeah, he's, he's, he's got giant arms and he can lift 400 kilos. And I just kept doing the same thing. What is it about your abstract modular mm. rooms that causes people to want to be big and strong? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so that is a thing to talk about with this one. We had this in Descent of the Culladins for room 10 of Descent of the Culladins. Mm. We had an abstract nine rooms connected to each other or something like that that are all iterations of the previous rooms or previous yeah. episodes. Did you feel so, weird doing it again? Eh. Nah. <laughs> Fair. No, but I do feel like it is weird as an experience because normally for an escape room, you got one theme going. And I guess this theme was weird dystopian alternate reality place, but all of the individual bits seem very disconnected. Mm. One I- room with a telescope, one room with shoes. That's weird. I, I kind of, I kind of wanted my for for the for the story elements. The you know which room was which. I wanted it to be an episode order. Like room one was episode mm. one, room two was episode two. But that's just me. it's fair. Except then the code would have just been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> that's uh, true. No, yeah. Well, 
I guess so. Yeah. Still could have. Yeah. It was interesting. Like, and this one, were these all kind of specifically well, connected well, wait, to it, a room? Yes. Hang on. It, it wouldn't necessarily if the episodes were out of order. Right, like if because what what, uh, what I mean I is if way... you did Salem as episode two, you know they they don't have if to... the arc had been all muddled, yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting. possible. Rearrange the order of the season. It's not, yeah, it's not impossible to just have done go it that back. Way. I'll take the uploads down. I'll re-upload them <laughs> in a different order. I'm just I'm just saying that's that's no, what yeah, I'm you're saying. right. Could have been from the beginning. Yeah. Mm. Did you have this in mind as room nine before you had decided on all of the? like settings and timelines and, and organization oh God, of no. the earlier season? No, not at all. I knew roughly that this was going to be the alternate reality slash future slash something episode. But you didn't know it was going to be a segmented nine three by three grid recapping the old episodes? Um I th- ooh, that's a good question, but no, I think I knew that it was going to have lots of callbacks and have all of the stuff, but I didn't know that it was going to be like this sort of segmented thing. Okay. It's so, I didn't have that uh, in mind. So when you came up with the idea for the arc, Danny, uh, did mm-hmm. you start with Doc Bill is evil? Was that? <gasps> did you know? Did you know from the beginning? Oh, did I? Ooh, that's a good it's me. question. Evil Bill. This is interesting because the ending of this one, or, or exactly the way things played out, changed like five times throughout my writing of the season, which is very unusual for me. But in general, yes. <laughs> is this directly because? In Descent of the Culladins, everyone kept saying Bill would be evil, then he wasn't? Yes. <laughs> All right, fun. <laughs> and, 100%. And, I mean, it, it's a callback to Back to the Future also with Biff, right? And the Almanac. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely what I had in mind as well. well of course it is. It's the, yeah. He gets the you Almanac. You were thinking that Greg was Biff, but, but Doc, Doc Bill, Bill was... Well, he was Emma Brown is Biff Brown. Why was he also Biff? <laughs> well, I can't just copy it exactly. <laughs> And you two are both little Marty McFlies. Apparently. <laughs> There's actually a line in here that was almost like a line from Back to the Future. I think it was like, this blasted thing doesn't work, but it's in Back to the Future. It's this damn thing. <laughs> you're right. Work. Yeah. Um, the the uh, mind reading thing. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> was that intentional? Uh, um, semi-intentional. <laughs> <laughs> in, in a very funny way. I think I was going for, okay, specifically, what are some Emity things? Uh, okay. And I landed on that, but I hadn't considered, oh, exactly. When did he use something like that? What was I thinking of? So, yeah. <laughs> Just felt uh, right. Exactly. I do have um, a question. Yeah, so, hmm? Like, when you were planning a multi-room escape room like this, mm. and it seems like we both went south. We both chose mm. to go south, but yes. we could have gone west and we could have gone yep. in different directions. So how do you plan for like a story that isn't in the choice of like how it's consumed is in the choice of the the player. And it could have we couldn't got, could have gotten different clues earlier. Like, how does that how do you in your head figure out that it's all going to work out <laughs> going in any possible direction? Oh, the playtests definitely help with that. But basically in my initial notes when I come up with it, I have a big arrow system where I write down everything, every object that is in there, and I come up with where does it end? And in this case, obviously, it ends with that east door with that number code. And so then I go, okay, what are the couple of starting points that I'm going to go with? And then I make paths just out of arrows connecting things, seeing where they intersect, seeing where they merge. So you can't solve this puzzle until you have solved these puzzles. And so having that, it makes it 
clearer that things can't be skipped over and so knowing where to put things in because of that so do you find that you do those arrows to do a puzzle plan and then go okay well in that based on that plan now the rooms have to be in this order or have these things in them yeah kind of okay well yeah sort of well also i mean the way I mean, we we're finding clues that aren't aren't relevant to the information that we have yet. So we're like, okay, let's check the next room and see if we mm. find something that you know that makes this clue relevant. Like the whiteboard, yeah, well, right? We we yeah. got the whiteboard. We're like, we don't have enough information to to do this yet. Let's go to the next room and see if we get mm. that information. And we did actually change one of those things in the playtest because something like that hadn't been gatekept quite well enough, which was in the rock room. Initially in the first one, all six rocks were there. So you could turn the lights on before you'd seen, before you'd noticed that the other room needed its lights turned on. Mm. So we just had to hide that ruby. Yeah. So literally we were trying to, that's why it wasn't, it wasn't well hidden. You didn't have to unlock a puzzle to solve that. That was just just, to make the order of things work. Make sure that they have seen Uh. the dark room before they solve the dark room. Right. because otherwise, like, and then you get to a room and it's brightly lit in here. Yeah. Well, you didn't know it, but before, oh, it was real dark before. You didn't see, but oh, it was bad. You know, like, <laughs> it's not really fun. So, uh, so have so you guys, have you guys made any, any physical escape rooms or anything like that? Nope. No, we, we have not. We've made these. You've done one of these on commission for someone, but still in this exact style. Oh, yeah. Style. No, this is But other the than that, this is really that. the only design of this kind of type that we've really done yeah don't know don't have the engineering skills don't have the businessy financy (laughs) skills so i I really keeping it in the imaginary i mentioned this a while back but i i still think that you guys should like publish these as you know text-based adventures you know yeah we've been looking into it it's one point and actually i should i think still be linked in the show notes for people listening uh there was someone who was turning our first season rooms into their own like into little html games uh, into text-based adventures you can play so it, there are a few play ones it, it'd be it, something that'd be nice to look into as, yeah as i I, I looked at that and it was art. good but it was a, a little it, it was a little more uh limited than i wanted it to be it, yeah like mm. it, it kind of led you through it in terms of you know just click here click here click here type yeah stuff. maybe we need an that we need, is a, the we need an app is what we need Need the escape this app. See, I I feel like the best thing to do is go back to the original. You got to type to. Things. You want to do That's a what I mean. proper I, text based yeah. text based. Like, yeah, make I mean that's a rather make Zork. Yeah, exactly. You have to be able to. For me, it's Hugo's House, House of Horrors. That's okay. the one that I grew up with. You're a little bit older. We had we had some images. To me, it's Quest for Glory. Um, Sierra's Hero. But quest. yeah, so not the ones where you click on options or click on but you stuff. Need proper text but ones parser. where you have to know what you mean in order to. You, should, you, sh- you guys should again, check out the old Infocom games. Uh, you would like. Mm, well, I've played oh, some yeah. of Zork and I played I've seen a couple it played. of the others. I haven't played myself. But uh, yeah, it's they're very cool. Maybe we should let's do a proper. Oh, it'd be and fantastic. of course, and of course, I don't know if you ever played the uh, Homestar Runner joke. One I haven't, but I I love Homestar Runner and Strongbad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there's one that Strongbad designs where there's a room. You know your your directions are north, south, east, and Dennis. Oh go, my god, I forgot all about this. Yeah. As the that has the classic. Uh, we were talking about um before the recording. We were talking about ones where you know it's like I want to go south. No, you can't go south. I want to go. Okay, fine, you can. That had the there is a flask on the table. So get ye flask because you <laughs> cannot get ye flask, <laughs> and it doesn't give you any explanation for why. So there, there's a good, 
There's some definite fun we can have with that. Maybe yeah, we should. That's good. So Hitch- yeah, the other thing is again. so the one the one that I recommend. I mean, there are several, but Hitchhiker's Guide is is a is a really fun one, especially if you're <laughs> yeah, familiar sure. with this story. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a sequence early on in that one where you you have to get the babble fish into your ear, and sure. I don't I don't want to spoil it, but <laughs> it is an amazing sequence. <laughs> So, Interesting. If you have the opportunity to to do that, I wonder who I wonder who's working on VR escape rooms. There are a few that already exist, and definitely. it is shocking that it hasn't gone into more development than it already has. It's got such insane potential, but yeah, yeah. there are definitely some out there and some impressive ones at that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's. Oh, it's really exciting. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you guys. Uh, we were talking Ooh, about oh, yeah, Star Runner. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I got a board game. Uh, it's the, the Trogdor board game. What? <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. Uh, it's, it, it's a cooperative game where you play uh, as the priests of Trogdor trying to help him burninate the countryside and all of the thatched roof cottages and the peasants. <laughs> I That's love amazing. it. I didn't know that existed. That is yeah. wonderful. It was wow. a too many games to get. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, Danny. Yes. It's time. Do we need to talk about what the hell is going on in this story now? All right. Should I so, read through at least the cliff notes of this? Of this. Uh, uh, sure. Bill's That's master up to you, plan. Or you can see what you remember. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do the cliff notes. But you're at my notes now. You'll have to exit them. Oh, Go back. Get to out me. of here, Danny's room notes. Uh, oh, where is it? Audio clips. Ha-ha. All right, so let's 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 re- let's recount what we got here. So, welcome, welcome. Uh, I did all this cool stuff. So it started with a meteor strike. Emperor Qin Shi Huang had his fate told by a meteor. True but story. If, but what if? Uh, true story. But what if that wasn't a joke? What if it was actually some space magic? So again, true story. This is apparently a historical thing that meteorite landed ancient China, and someone wrote. Hey, the emperor's going to die on it. <laughs> and he freaked out. Um, so then it's like, okay, so if it wasn't fake, that's real dang cool. It's got some cool powers if you could tap into it. Um, one person, so this is not something that happened in the rooms, but the idea of yeah. there was a Chinese scholar who wrote about this and he said, actually, yeah, you can activate the power of this cool future meteor. But that kind of got lost. It was written on some wood, which eventually got uh, imported into Rome and the Romans just painted over it because they didn't care about old Chinese And scribbles. you might remember in that room in episode one, you actually had to melt paint to find things that were under other paintings. Exactly. So it's the idea that there might be something under that initial painting. I was a little bit, honestly, I kind of it. expected someone to ask mm. if there was anything What would you have done if someone one? said, I take Julia's painting out of her hands, melt it. Hey, does it have I mean, Chinese writing underneath? You don't find the painting until the conclusion. So after the so escape you had is done. Okay. So that wouldn't I didn't even think about it. So, so that, was, but yeah. that was like the instruction book. So it was a guide, it says here, a guide to a powerful mystical artifact. Um, it travelled around, eventually ended up in Ireland, just through European trade, mm-hmm. and it belonged to Mary, Mary quite contrary, who, who was being tried as a witch. And if she'd been tried as a witch, all her stuff would have been burnt. Yeah, because so you can't that. have witch belongings. He stopped her stuff getting burnt, and instead she just took it with her when she moved and to the Netherlands. And you recall at the end of that episode, what did she, she, say? Did she says, say, I'm well, I'm clearly not welcome here. I'm going to go. I've got some family in mainland Europe. I'm going to stay with them. Oh, okay. So that was hers being like, I'm going to go to the Netherlands. That connected to 
the stuff we found in the Great Fire of London. From the Anglo-Dutch War. Yeah, so blah, blah, blah. That was happening at the same time. Um, and then he said maybe maybe Greg set the fire, set the Great Fire of London to, to make sure this didn't happen. But cool, it escaped the fire and it was translated because uh, that whole room is about translations from Dutch to English yeah. and all that other stuff. But the original was terrible. And so it needed to be transcripted by that guy in Spain. And we saw in that room that he had, like, he did translation work. He did copy work. He did, not translation, he, like, made new yeah. copies of stuff because that was one of the things in the room. Mm-hmm. So he made a new copy of the book and no one cared about it. So Bill just bought that copy. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, ta- uh, I'm, we're talking about a placard, right? Uh, just a piece of wood with Chinese writing on it. That's, I guess that's what it was originally. And mm. now there's like a translated document yeah. that is the detailing of that, which is now in, in English or Spanish or, or something uh, instead of ancient Chinese. Yes. Okay. So he's now got like instructions on the meteorite and now he just needed to get the meteorite. That was found in Antarctica ha- by happenstance that Michael found it because apparently Greg had tried to hide it down in Antarctica, possibly. They Maybe. found the meteorite. It seemed like as good a place as any to hide things. But the problem was it didn't work because it needed cool space energy. So that's why he saved the, the woman in the lab who can activate things with cool energy. That was her research, cool energy research. Mm-hmm. Now that she was alive, he had everything he needed, but he just needed money, right? He had, it says here, I had everything I needed to get this thing started. In theory, at least, the machinery involved is very expensive. So he saved his grandfather, Linus, who died in ignominy, and instead, he became a cool, wealthy, wealthy pioneer of wartime aviation. A cool engineer who died too young to make his fortune. Now that he had made his fortune, Bill had a fortune. Bill had a rock. Bill could build the, ex- the expensive machinery, get all the energy into the rock and use it to tell the future, almanac style, and become King Biff. Exactly. That's awesome. So and That's it. And that's where it ended. That's so, so cool. So if I'm, if I, I, I do have two questions. One is... Uh, nowhere in there is the discussion of the escape room where they actually found the meteor in the in the Chinese caverns or catacombs mm-hmm. or whatever. So I thought That's that was true. yeah. Did, was that part, did I miss a bit there, or was that all that was mentioned? Was that the tomb robber who took it out? Then was elusive for a while, but it needed to come out but of the tomb. But that's just that was just part of how did it ever get to Antarctica if it was stuck in a tomb the entire right, time? Right. So he made sure that it got out of the tomb into the world so he could try and find it later. And so that was the one that mm, gone. No, I was no please continue. Well that was the one that really pegged us into the oh, things are going free into the world, like yeah. this meteorite. And that was really the whole point. He was hoping he could just find it later in the history of time, as long as it wasn't locked away. Exactly, because in most other times that exist, you cannot go in there. No, like right now, you can't. No one's been into that tomb ever. That's cool. Um, so Bill did build the time machine then in, in the regular reality. Yep. Mm. Okay. So well, that just... is reality. And is that because Greg is kind of canonically a time machine building dude? But Bill could use him as his assistant to be like, oh, help me build this time machine, Greg. The way these different realities worked out, different people was like each of them in their respective realities was the science science enthusiast who had the drive to be the one to build the first time machine. Okay. But like in this current one, what's Bill got that drive for? Like, yeah, Governor good point. Bill. He's Governor he Bill. doesn't need that. Oh, so how, does Bill, start, how is Bill even aware of all this then? Well, because at the mm. very start, Danny set up that the lab that Bill is in 
he built in like a weird, like this exists outside of time. So when the timeline changes, it's not going to affect us here in this room. Right. So he could like long-term fix the timeline. And then when you like get out of the lab back into the real world, it's like, bang, I'm actually Governor Bill. Ha ha ha. And so he could just choose what point in his new time that he wanted to go out to. Yeah. And he he, could say, cool, let's go back 20 years or so. Does he have the memories of Governor Bill? Like what? Yeah, this is always my this around. is always my question for mm. Back to the Future. Also, and I've always uh, talked yeah. about it is what happened to Marty too? The Marty that grew up with cool parents. Mm, Where he is died. he? <laughs> he 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 got sucked into the ether. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a very fair question. Yeah, because if Bill leaves now, are they going to be double bills? Like Governor Bill. What do you and mean if Bill? If we... well, Bill's been changing the timeline mm-hmm. in his little like time lab unaffected by the changes if he steps out does he like instantly merge with current governor bill or are they like governor bill and scientist bill he's like hey i made you governor but me but you but me but us yeah you're right when it comes to time travel stuff it's always kind (laughs) of all of it is going to be full of holes in logic so you just have to pick your logic holes I'm going with a merge theory okay so as soon as he opens the door it's like and then he like is governor bill and maybe maybe he gets to I, access both sets of memories. Let's let's yeah, let's he gets a double oh, yeah. memory. Yeah, so totally. love it. Perfect double memory, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ah, <laughs> oh, time travel. So what's happening in the last one? How did that one end? What were the last little bits of that that Greg recorded everything? That's right. Greg recorded it and said, "Now my friends somewhere. are going to take their time machine and go and ruin everything from the beginning to like destroy the media from the very beginning." Or to kill baby Doc Bill. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be really interesting. So our final guests are going to be like university, other people who had a time machine who are going to go back and fix it all. Granted, you're assuming Greg knows who he sent it to. Oh, he sent it to Doc Bill. <laughs> Doc Bill gets a message, says, look what Doc no, Bill sent No, maybe he just oh, sent it out into good. the world. He posted it on the internet. For yeah. yeah, it's on. Alternatively, it- he just sent it to mum. <laughs> Greg's mum gets to do it. He put it on Instagram Live and everybody saw it. Um, that's really cool. Cool. So, yeah, there's only little amounts of meta discussion now because you got it. The arc's almost over. The arc's almost over. Answers. Thank you for helping oh, us get God. there, guys. Oh, it's our pleasure. Seriously. Oh. I mean, I, I had a blast. I really want to thank you for inviting me. Peter, I hope you had a good time too. Yeah, no, this was so much fun. I did it. Yeah, I'm sorry it wasn't a more standard one for you. Oh, that's all no, right. it was. It was fine. You can we come back and it. do one of our standalone ones uh, in future. Pardon one me? of the ones that feels more like a regular escape. I mean, I, I'd Maybe be ha- if you yeah. if you would like to have me, I would be happy to come back. Absolutely. And of course, if you ever want to try your hand at designing one, oh yeah, and run it for us, please, <laughs> we'd love that. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, how you guys difference? do this. Like it, it seems like so much, so complicated, and so much work. And well, I, I do nothing, so that's fine. Well, I appreciate all the work <laughs> that she has put into this, and it, it's. Uh, it seems like so over my head in how you craft. <laughs> for, for what it's worth, after finishing one of these connected arcs and going back to regular standalone rooms, it feels much easier. <laughs> so relaxing. If that, if that gives you any more drive to write your own. Um, but of course, you could also run one if you ever if you ever want to play one again and you're not on the show. Uh, like Brian, you've run a few for your for your wife. Yeah, actually, vice versa. So we we take turns. She oh, runs cool. for me, and then I run mm. for her. So, yeah, lovely. 
Because yeah. all the room notes are available for free in the show notes. And if you're listening at home and you haven't, and I haven't said this for a while, you can run these rooms. Look at the show notes. You've got the full write-up. Go and run it for your friends and make them feel silly about not knowing what shoes are and, and the shape <laughs> of handcuffs, etc. You know, they'll—I mean, that, that's where I made those mistakes as well. But and of course, with things as they are, we have, there are a bunch of real escape rooms out there who, along with everyone coming up with their own uh, audio and tech rooms in lieu of the real ones that we're not allowed to do at the moment there are rooms out there that are using our rooms and running them yeah, as experiences there are a few people... if you want a pro gm to run them for you oh, instead wow. of your best friend yeah uh, we'll probably have those see. we'll probably have a few links to those in the show notes yeah too. we really need to make a collection we haven't got them yet but we'll, we'll get it we'll find out who's doing those because we still made it a blanket offer to to escape rooms in general to run them but uh we'll put we'll put a link to at least some that we definitely know are running them that's great uh, but in the show notes Hey, just jumping into the middle of the show to mention that Escape This Podcast is sponsored by Buzzshot. Obviously, I've, we've talked a lot about it as a service, and it is really phenomenal. But at the moment, it's a bit difficult to run most escape room businesses. So uh, if you haven't yet gone to Live Video Escape Rooms, which is a both a website and a Facebook page that is sort of being spearheaded by Tom Parslow from Buzzshot, you should. You should go there to check out what's going on in the field and cool new things that are happening. Uh, Tom has also been doing a few uh, sort of mini podcast interview episodes, which you can find there, which are a really cool insight into what's going on. So you should check those out. There's a lot of fun stuff happening behind the scenes, and it is definitely worth your while to go and check out what's going on and just enjoy yourself. The other person I want to say thank you to is Jared Smith from uh, Advanced Sagebrush and Shootouts. Uh, If you listened to the last episode, you will have noticed we had a Greg Jared did a fantastic job playing Greg in that episode. Uh, and if you want to hear more of him and you haven't already, go and listen to Advanced Stage Russian Shootouts. It's a phenomenal show. Uh, we've done a crossover arc with them, which you may have remembered from season five. But go check it out. It's a fantastically edited, brilliantly funny uh, buddy cop RPG actual play podcast. So check that out if you haven't already. And thank you again, Jared, for your brilliant voice work. Now, speaking of pro GMing and all of that. Yeah, I'm wondering just, where this transition's well, going. Yeah, this is my the best effort that I can give. <laughs> okay, so what I wanted to say is at the start, we talked about, like, you're asking questions about how this sort of runs and how you search for things in these rooms. And my basic response was, cool, I'm going to tell you more or less everything that you can see and all the important stuff. You're not going to have to search for more things in the room, really. And I'm not going to lie to you. For yes, these sorts so of I games, think this, I think this yeah. segue is about how much I lie to you. Is that is that where we're going? <laughs> how much do you? Because you guys both do magic, and magic is a very different beast from say everything, have everything as out in the open as possible. Things are still being hidden, and you know, in this, I'm hiding things as well. But it feels very different. To what extent do you feel like you are lying in magic? I mean, because I don't feel like I'm lying term. at all. Uh, yeah, it's because um, I, I was thinking of it like that, and it's yeah. not quite what you want to say. Ma- magic is theater. So, how much is an actor lying when they're pretending to be someone else on stage? <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> no, so that's. I mean, that's really the way I, I would look at it. Is mm. you know, the, from the perspective of a performer, you're you're a performer. You're performing. You're in character. You're you know. <laughs> 
and you are it, it, to me it does feel almost gming in a way you are leading these you are leading your audiences through the experience absolutely and one other funny point about that is because one of the things that I like when it comes to designing puzzles is I love the aha moment that players can get when they have figured something out. Absolutely. I assume you don't get that so much. Like you get the satisfaction of them being stunned, oh, but so, not so the I, figuring out. So, so I actually <laughs> do a lot of puzzles and riddles and things for, for friends of mine. Uh, and mm. I love that when they get that aha moment. But it's it's a it's a different thing with magic. With magic, it's more uh, people call it the art of astonishment. That moment of astonishment that that a spectator can have. That's you know uh, a super good feeling. I think for me at least. Yeah, I mean, you do get a lot of problem solvers who enjoy approaching magic on that level of like trying to figure out the puzzle. But I think when a magician is good, like Brian is, <laughs> that <laughs> you, you, you leave the performance not asking how did he do it, but like amazed that he did it. That hmm. it, that it is the, you don't try to question, you're just like, the, you enjoy the experience. You enjoy the ride. So one of the things that I tell people who approach it as a puzzle, so people can get angry. It, it, I, I, I've, I've had this happen where, where people can be angry because they see it as a puzzle and they think, I'm a smart person. I'm good at puzzles. Why the hell can't I figure this out or something right. like that? Uh, why the heck can't I figure this out? And um, I always say to them, so puzzles are designed to be solved. They are designed mm. – for there to be a solution that someone can find and uncover and feel good about it. Magic is not designed that way. It is not designed as a puzzle for someone to solve. Uh, you shouldn't feel bad if you can't, quote, figure out a magic trick because you're not supposed to be able to. Mm. I, I guess yeah. that's the point. Like in this escape room, you're providing all these clues in of what direction we should be heading in even if we don't know exactly where we're headed in magic there is so many things that we are setting up that after the fact if you re recall the the magic trick in your head it makes it impossible to solve because we've made you believe that you saw things mm. or experienced things Oh, I shuffled the deck. No, you did, actually didn't or whatever. Yeah. But whatever. But it, it makes it unsolvable in a way. It, th does that make sense? Yeah. It's like your, the pieces that line up to get like, and therefore it would solve this way. All of those pieces were false. Like, you go, oh, like the fact that the things that I know is that he did shuffle the deck. He did put it into his hand over here and he did put his hat over the top of it. So how knowing those facts, could he have done this? And it's all wrong because the deck wasn't shuffled. It didn't go into your yeah. left hand and the hat never went on top of the deck. So all of the pieces to solve the puzzle, they're not, you can't, they're not trustworthy in the same That's way. That's correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, 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 and it's amazing how much just rearranging the things that you listed. If like the mm. shuffle was the second thing and you thought it was the first thing because at the end of the trick, I repeat what we did and I, I'm not lying to you. I'm saying we shuffled yeah. the deck, mm -hmm. we did the whatever, we did the whatever. And now in your head, when you replay that, you're not 
remembering the sequence. I didn't lie. I I, I never lied. There's actually magicians out there. Uh, Brian's not one of these guys, and I'm not one of these guys. But there are magicians out there that they script their entire performance so that they never once lie in anything that they say. (laughs) And it's actually a big thing in magic. So it's a... It is. Uh, One of my favorite stories, and this is from literally from when I was a teenager, I, I did a trick that it, it, it's actually a, a store-bought trick. It's, it's the rising card out of a deck trick, and, and you can mm-hmm. buy it at a magic store. And it's really uh-huh. cool, uh, but the, the effect is someone takes a card, it goes back in the deck, uh, the deck goes into the box, uh, or not, or into a glass, and then the magician does the little wavy thing with his hands, and out of the center of the deck the selected card magically rises out of the deck. Hmm. All right. Nice. And it's a, oh. it's, it's a strong trick. It's very visual. It's, it's striking. Yeah. People really do like it. Uh, just because it's store-bought doesn't mean it's bad. Just to, just to put that out there. But a friend of my parents that I did this trick for, uh, loved it so much. And he came back to me, months later asking me to do this trick again and he described the trick that i did the trick where the card flew out of the deck and hung suspended in the air until i reached out and picked it up out of the air and i'm like yeah that was a good trick i'm never gonna do that for you again but boy that was a good trick (laughs) Brian, I've seen that with you at the Magic Castle. People that have seen your show or seen mm-hmm. you do things repeat a trick that they want you to show their friends. And it's knowing your act and knowing what you do on a regular basis, knowing that the thing that they described is completely not what you do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and But it's just the trick that he remembers is such a good trick that yeah. I, I can't ever do it again. Yeah, you can't because... ruin that. <laughs> Why would I want to ruin that experience for him? (laughs) Yeah, it's so fascinating. I know with all of this, getting angry about not needing, not about searching for the answer, not being the point of it is definitely something that I have gone through. There is some magic. I go, I watch it and the feelings inside me are very conflicted. I love it. I am happy. I am laughing at how amazing it was. Still a little bit of me is still going I am an answers-based person. I want to know. I, it's even if I know logically, yes, there's not the point. I'm not supposed to know. And let's face it, I'm probably not going to know. But there is a part of me that just goes, wait, isn't But But the whole point of being a person is to seek answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I I'm mm. probably did because it wasn't that long ago. What, do you remember when, when we met you guys? Uh, September. September. September? But not just... Just the September just passed? Just the September just oh passed. Oh, my God. What is wrong with time? It feels <laughs> like so long ago. It doesn't help that March was six months long. So, like, do I, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. just September, trying to remember. Did I, did I tell you guys? I, I probably did. But did I tell you guys my new favorite riddle that I that I heard recently? Oh, uh, no, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Give you want to hear it? We can share it with the world. I'll share it with the world. Uh so, Our very small, small corner of the world. That's right. Uh, uh, Peter has heard me tell this like a billion times now. But uh, just to give context, uh, I, because I am a nerd, I went to a birthday party uh, that, sub- that uh, featured a riddle competition where the <laughs> object was to answer as many riddles as you could in a certain amount of time. 
Oh my god, that's so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> and I won. Um, <laughs> but I would I did take away a riddle that I really liked, and I'm going to share mm-hmm. it with you now. Uh, All right, I'm ready. <laughs> if you have a bee in your hand, what is in your eye? You did say this I one, did. and I, I felt happy. Yes. I did you get it? I can't. I think I got. I don't know if I said if, it or how long it took mm, me to get it, but I remember this now. I do. If there is a bee in your hand, what is in your eye? Can you get it at home? Take a moment. Pause the podcast. <laughs> see if you can answer this question. Uh, I believe it's, it's fun. Beauty. That's correct. Because, because you're a bee holder. If you have a bee in your hand, you are holding a bee. You are a bee holder, and beauty is in the eye of the bee holder. It's Riddles lovely. are a fascinating one because a good rat, a, a good riddle is so good. But oh boy, there's some bad riddles out yes, there. Yes, there are. Yes, if, there are. If anyone has listened to the podcast, Hey Riddle Riddle, you'll be very aware of that. <laughs> they have a lot of bad riddles. Um, oh. Oh. All right. That was heaps of fun. Also, um, wait. Oh, yes. One more question, totally unrelated to the process of running magic. Where, where did you two both learn magic stuff? Where did you start with that? The secret wizard's conclave. Well, that's I mean, what I'll, it feels like. I'll, I'll go first. Um, you know, I have I have two different answers that I give to this. One is short and one is a little longer. The short answer is I think most kids are interested in magic and I just never grew out of it. Um, <laughs> sure. And that that is true. Uh, but the, the longer answer is when I was five years old, my father uh, was not a magician, but he knew a couple of simple card tricks. Uh, he showed them to me. I was fascinated, and I pestered him until he finally broke down and showed me how they were done. And then I went out with my dad, and I bought a book. And I was five years old, and I read the book, and I practiced. And then I went out, and I bought another book, and I read that book, and I practiced. And today I have hundreds of books, and I have practiced an awful lot. And, and where it. does the where does the transition come in from? Re, I don't know. At what point is it learning tricks from, that other people do and coming up with your own tricks? That sort of balance is something that's very unclear to me as an outsider. So most magicians, including me, don't actually come up with their own tricks. They What they do is they present, uh, they come up with their own presentations of, yeah, of that makes magic sense. principles. And so that's what I do. Uh, I am. I would not call myself a magic creator. There are there are some brilliant magic creators out there that that come up with concepts and and ideas that you know I then take and use and present in my own way. So. Yeah, thank you. Because that's something that's always been. Do you want to become a magic unclear. producer, Danny? I well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I'm saying magic is so amazing and awesome. Now, how do you learn it? Because our secretive are people about their magic. It feels like everyone is insanely <laughs> so, secretive. So actually, that that's a, that is a kind of a myth. I I won't tell oh, you how God. a trick. I won't tell you how a trick is done, Danny. But if you come to me and you say, "I want to learn how to perform magic. I want to learn how to be a magician." I am more than happy to teach you. Uh, oh, basically so everything nice. I know. But uh, I have an assignment, and over. Over the years, I've given this assignment to probably a thousand people who have come up to me and said, okay, great, I want to learn magic. I say, great, I want to teach you magic. Here's the assignment. Go out, buy a book. Here's a list. Buy any one of these books. They're not expensive. Read it and come back to me and we'll talk. Guess guess how many people 
have come back to me after having one thousand. Pardon me. All all one thousand. Oh Every yeah, that's, one. you're exactly you're right. You're the best guess ever, Billy. <laughs> I believe the answer is three, and of those, two of them read the book and said, "Boy, this is hard," and then never picked it up again. <laughs> Magic isn't that easy. Seems, oh, that so, seems bad. Well, yeah. If you email us. Like that? You want the list, Danny? You We're in a, a lockdown. I can read. If you, if you want to become a magician, I'll support you. I I'm, support I am, the husband. I'm more than happy to share that with you, Danny, if you, if you want to learn to perform magic. But just knowing for knowledge's sake isn't fun. I promise you it's not. That's interesting. No, I, I believe that. Look, I am interested in it. I f- always feel like I have hang-ups about physically am I capable of yes. doing magic. the answer is magic. yes. Things yep. like... I have stupid tiny fingers. I drop everything all the time. There are, there are there's plenty of magic that you can do that doesn't require much, if any, in the way of manual dexterity. Ooh, wow! Right. That's that is super news. All right, to send me. us a list. Danny's a magician I'm now. Super <laughs> into it. And so, thank you so much. Now that's Brian's story, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my story is pretty similar. My dad had this thing that I think he got from his dad where it was like this brass container where he would put a stack of nickels. Dimes, and he put this nickels. brass container over it and it turned them into dimes. Yeah. And after he did this, you could examine everything and it literally turned the nickels into dimes. And I wanted to know how it was done and he, he would not teach me. And he did it to me many times over the years. And I think we watched a David Copperfield special and I really wanted to get into magic. And I went to the library and got some magic books and, he started taking me to downtown Boston. I lived in Massachusetts, and there was a magic shop in downtown Boston called Hankley, or not, um, yeah, it was Hankley's Magic Shop, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. I'm blanking now. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, uh, uh, yeah, and I, I, I would save up my allowance to buy these magic tricks. You know, I'd go there and pay, t- you know, there would be a guy behind the counter and show you this uh, amazing mm. thing. And then you'd pay 20 bucks and you'd get like an envelope with a <laughs> one page of printed instructions, a playing card with double stick tape on the back of it. And then you'd be like, so and many kids, I think, would get that and be so disappointed. But if you read <laughs> if you read that one page and you took that card with the double stick tape, tape on the back and you put it in the deck and you got good at it and performed it to your friends, they would be freaking destroyed. Mm. because so cool. yeah yeah I, I don't have ruining any trick there but like it no, magic no. tends to always be like the the, the answer is so disappointing <laughs> right like yeah. the, there are some tricks that are really clever and interesting but really like and, and some of it does take amount of de- dexterity and practice mm. but then there are the, like the stuff when you you're a kid and you get into where it, it's so simple and people are like i think they talk themselves into like oh it was just a piece of tape and a car like i'm not no one's gonna fall for that even though they just fell for it and they just not only did they mm. fall for it but they put 20 dollars on the counter and bought it <laughs> yeah i mean but i think that happens so often mm. that's that's true and and back to the presentation thing uh Danny, mm. what we were talking about, you know, being yeah. a presenter of magic versus a creator of magic. Nine, I, I say that 95% of a, of a magic performance is in the presentation. And so Fair enough. When, you're, when you're young, when you're a kid and you're buying stuff at the magic store, 
what you're going to do is you're going to pretty much recite by rote the whatever presentation was written in the instructions. Mm. Uh, you know, or in the book, it's going to say this and this is what you say, and you're just going to say those things. But over time, as you mature as a performer, you start to figure out things to say that are more true to your persona and you That's make your cool. own presentations. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> now there is um just one other thing oh, yes. on that without saying much. Do you find in magic that you do there is some I don't know how to put this. Basically there's one magician that we've seen and I was pretty sure based on the stuff that they were using um, I, I don't know how much to say and say, I don't know what's worth it. Person used a Rubik's cube as part of their routine. Okay. That's and fine. You can say that. Yeah. Was yeah, this at the magic it, castle or was it somewhere else? I'm yes. Sure. It was at yeah. the castle. One of those ones. And I was just going, cool. I obviously, I don't know much about how this magic is being done, but I can tell for some of these things that one part of this is this person is just bloody phenomenal at Rubik's cubes. There is that definitely going on there. So the idea of like putting in a personal skill that you have into those things and how much that can happen and how much that would happen. I'm not sure how much I should say about that, mm. to be honest. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> no, but it, it is interesting that most of the time magic is us showing you something that seems impossible and it seems impossible because you wouldn't think a human could possibly do that. And then there's other times when we're showing you that impossible thing and you think a human can't possibly do that, but we actually can't. Mm. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, the, so it, but it's always hard to tell from an audience perspective if what you're being shown is skill or not. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. could be entirely wildly wrong. It was just the impression that I got. And so I'm... I just sort of thinking... I will say that according to the terrible, terrible anime that I just started watching, uh, magicians can do most of their tricks because they get uh, lots of uh, gadgets and pipes surgically inserted into their body, and then they, they just do it stuff for real. So that's how it works. Well, you actually, a, uh, you just get a dove gun inserted into your trick. stomach. There's one magic trick that I that I am willing to um, to reveal for you guys. Uh, it's not mine, it, uh, and. I don't think he would mind. It's 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 David Blaine's. I don't know if you've seen uh, the thing where David Blaine takes a, a nail or a railroad spike and sticks it through his hand. Have you have you ever seen him do that? Don't know if I've watched it, but that sounds like yeah. him. Yeah, I, I'll tell you how he does that. He takes a nail or a railroad spike and he sticks it through his hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, uh. And <laughs> but yeah, I mean. If you were a human who had no feeling in your hand and Why somehow not? no ability to get tetanus in that hand. So, act, and now I'll tell you the real, the real answer. The real answer is he literally, he has his hand pierced and he lets it close, but he's got a right. channel in there. Yeah. Oh. And it's just cool. And it's those moments yeah. where like, if you're, if you're one of those people who's trying to figure out the trick, the assumption is, well, of course, he didn't actually stick a thing through his hand. That would be ridiculous. So that's where the trick is. How did he pretend to do that? And then you can just make the answer. No, he just, you know. Yeah, see, that's the sort of thing that I always that I try to think about. And obviously it is, is, you know, a zillion steps too early for this. But I try to think of things like that. Like you're trying to go for putting your individual personality into the presentation. Sure. But is there anything individual skill-wise or genetically lucky wise 
or anything like that? The answer is yes. Really hard. Certainly, for example, Coudini was double jointed, and that helped him Mm. a lot in some of his escapes. For example, Mm. yeah, exactly that sort of thing. Well, the thing I think that's interesting about David Blaine and that trick was first performed in his special that was called Real or Magic. And I, what I love about him Uh. is he makes you question: Is this real or is it? magic and mm. i don't think he's asking is it you know real magic even though he probably no, that's his character yeah. but yeah. like is what you're seeing actually happening or like yeah. is, there it, is, is it something a trick? strangely terrifying about knowing that that having to keep that option in your head as a maybe possibility this is now. just a real thing that's cool yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's um, more options than I want. All right, we should probably leave it there. We have we an should. incredibly we've, hungry dog, and, and we've been we've recording for a very for long time. A, yeah, ridiculous um, amount of time. But thank you so much for coming on the show. You two were fantastic. Yeah, if you guys want to see any of my magic, you can just look up my name, Brian Markinson, on YouTube. I've got a couple of YouTube clips that might be interesting. And in fact, that was how Billy. Uh, yes, you first. when I met you, I was trying to. Pay, when we first met, I thought, "Oh, why? Why does he seem familiar? Why does I know his?" And it was because of the video you did with Corridor. Yes, yeah, I've, I've got Which a video is, with uh, Corridor Digital, and then I have a video uh, that uh, aired on um, public television. Uh, well, uh, NPR, I guess, uh, called <laughs> "Between the Between the Line" uh, with Lovely. Barry Kibrick. And if people want to find you anywhere else, do you on Twitter or on? Are you are you active in any cool social media spaces? I mean, I exist. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm at B Markinson on Twitter and Instagram uh, and Facebook. Uh, Brian Markinson. Um, I don't. I don't. Ha- I don't post a lot. I guess <laughs> they're not going to get a I'm huge there. amount out of it. Yeah, lovely. And Peter. Uh, and Peter, yeah, obviously you've got Slash Film. Do you want to yeah, let sl- people find all the stuff you're doing? Yeah, you can go to SlashFilm.com and there's lots of movie and TV news posted every single day. Actually, every half an hour throughout the day, every single day. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, we, we do a podcast three times a week called Slash Film Daily, which we talk about that movie and TV news. And I also run a YouTube channel with my girlfriend, Kitra, where... We go to theme park and movie events, which we don't do anymore because we can't leave the house, <laughs> which is kind of ruining oh, things so quite a bit. That sounds but, so exciting, though. I yeah. will say. And uh, what's the name of that YouTube escape- channel? Oh, yes. What is that YouTube channel? Oh, oh it's called Ordinary Adventures. Ah, oh, lovely. Uh, we do have a room set in a theme park, so you can just play that. Oh. And it'll be like you're going there. <laughs> Although this was episode nine of a connected arc. That room's episode 10 of a connected arc. So that's probably pretty hard to oh, play wow. by itself as well. Uh, wonderful. Well, we'll have links to all of the stuff uh, in the show notes below for, uh, you can see on this film that I, that I physically point to show notes whenever I say this, yes. like someone can see me, but they can't, but I'm pointing down for everybody at home. Because uh, they're probably <laughs> down beneath your player, but they could be off to the right. It depends on what you're using. Uh, we'll have links to all that in the show notes, as well as all the full episodes and things like that. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great to have you. Thank you, Danny, for writing a great room. I'm super psyched for episode ten. I'm really, really and I like. I was evil. I called it. I called it that I'd be yeah, evil. Yeah, again though, you called it a year ago <laughs> in one where you were but wrong. I'm right this time. <laughs> well, I called it too. That's what I'm gonna. Say. <laughs> <laughs> we all called can i just end with one one nice little comment that i have about magic the one other thing to say sure is that uh nine years ago when billy and i were in japan 
It was Tokyo. It was winter. And we were right down the road from a little theater and we went in and we deliberately sought out the one act that we believed that we could definitely appreciate regardless of language barrier. And that was the magician who was performing that night. And I just thought the fact that that was possible Mm. was so wonderful. Do you remember his phenomenal? Do you remember his Not at all. But he was phenomenal. He did he was great. Very, he was very much one of the um, mistakes magician pretending pretending to be making mistakes uh-huh. a lot. Yeah. That's great and absolutely fantastic. Lots of you know, or lots of like doing a cool trick and and like having all these these uh, things and making them disappear, and then turning around and taking his jacket off. You can see that they're all sitting in his jacket, and that's <laughs> he just had a big pocket and he was filling it full of these. You know, great. It just really really funny funny guy. But yeah, it uh-huh. was really great, great that magic is one of those things that cross communicates. Better you, than others. Are you guys coming back to LA anytime? I mean, we've yes. got to make it a regular thing. Well, yeah, We're next time you're in town, uh, please let me know. I'm happy to take you back to the castle. You can meet Peter in person. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, by that time, I'll be able to audition. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs>